And everybody says together, amen. Are you glad to be here? Good, good, good. Listen, before we get into the series, which I am so jazzed about, bringing people back from death to life, we're going to talk about that out of God's word. But before we do that, we must, we have to, we are privileged to be able to pray for Israel and what is happening. So I'm going to ask us now, now I'm going to pray, but I'm going to ask that we join together in prayer. So really, we're going to unify together and just follow me in your heart. And we've got to pray for the people of Israel. The Bible tells us to do that. But even more than that, our hearts are drawn when people are hurting to send our prayer. So Father in heaven, we understand from Scripture that you prophesied that Israel would always be attacked. But Father, to this level where we see it with our own eyes, it becomes real. And God, our hearts are breaking for the people of Israel, your chosen people, God. And so our prayer number one, Lord, is that you would protect this nation, that you would give them wisdom against evil, against people that would would do harm to innocent people. And so, God, we are praying for justice. We are praying, God, your hand over this. Secondly, God, we pray for your people, the Jewish people of Israel, God, that through this tragedy, Lord, that you can bring forth your son, the Messiah, in dreams and visions and people talking and sharing about Jesus. You came to save everybody, Jew and Gentile. Everybody has been born, God, to be free in you. And so, God, we are praying for the salvation of this nation, God. And we pray, God, for our country. We pray for wisdom for those in authority, that they would have wisdom and guidance in decision-making and how we can support and pray and back Israel, God. You said in your word that those nations that... Bless Israel will be blessed. And so, God, we want to make sure we're in your favor. So give the wisdom to the leaders today. And we ask it in Jesus' name. And all the God's children said, amen. Amen. Now, I believe God is going to answer that prayer. Do you? We prayed together. God said he hears our prayers and he answers. It doesn't always come on our timing, but it comes on his timing. I tell you, the tragedy of what's going on, of course, in Scripture, this has been fulfilled that things like this are going to happen to Israel. But, man, I'm praying for the salvation of the people of Israel, God's, God's people. All right. Um, I wanted to share with you a couple of quick things that I'm just so excited about. Um, one is there's a young person who's getting baptized today. That means they received Jesus Christ in their life. He's in high school. His name is Drew. And we're so excited. His life is changed, man. His life is absolutely changed in Jesus. And so I just want to ask if there's any one of you here that have accepted Christ or maybe you're coming back to the Lord and and baptism hasn't happened yet in your life, uh, we would be glad to talk with you about that and just want to help you with that. So that's going to be after second hour. Pastor Zach, would you please stand? Pastor Zach, Jonathan, are you here? Uh, Jonathan, could you please stand also? I just wanted you to see these. Pastor Zach is our high school, junior high, and uh, young adults pastor overseeing all those ministries. Jonathan is the junior high director Overseeing all those kids, I got to peel off the walls, man, the junior hires. But we're grateful for you guys because we have to. We absolutely have to reach this generation coming up behind us. And we're so grateful that you guys have a call on your life for that. So we'll be there supporting second hour. You first people, folks who are more spiritual, just pray for Drew. And um, pray it's just when he comes up out of that water, man, he just like changed, right? Um, also, as mentioned, Pastor Zach, but for those of you who maybe missed it, Fall Fest is our biggest uh, Sunday as far as putting together an outreach of the entire year, and it's on October 29th. And what this basically means after each service, 
We have all kinds of carnivals, food, snow cones, just fun, fun, fun for the kids. And uh, uh, most of all, we'll be, I'll just be giving a gospel message. It is designed for you and for me to bring our friends to church. And so um, I'll be giving just a, just a message about Jesus' love, that God loves us, and he wants everybody to come to him. And so I want, really want you to pray about these next couple of weeks who you would invite to come to Fall Fest. Now, we also need, um, I believe, 250 volunteers to make that happen. So um, we need your help. We want your help. We want everybody to be involved. It's our church, right? This is not Pastor Mike's church. This is our church together. So um, outside of the connection point, you can either um, say, hey, sign me up. I'll help to uh, uh, help on Fall Fest. But you can also go on the website and you can register right there. Everything's on the website. I'm so glad for social media because there is good stuff that comes out of social media. Ministry happens. Souls get saved, right? Thankful for all those that are online, part of our MVCC fam, maybe not here in the area. And we just hope that um, this message just really hits the heart. Um, I also want to just give you an update uh, about my wife. And um, if you weren't here last week, uh, previous week, my wife was diagnosed with cancer once again. And so um, I want to just give you a quick update because we so much appreciate your prayers. Can't tell you how much... This church is so loving and so supportive and just the prayers already, the cards that you've given. I just, I just took a picture. Um, someone has, and if this is you, I want you to come and please let me know. Somebody is leaving a flower on my doorstep every single morning for my wife. And I don't know who it is. There's not a note. But if that's you, I really want to know because I, I, we just want to say thank you. It's the little things like this that just brings my wife to a really good place of reminder. So six and a half years ago, she was diagnosed with breast cancer. And so um, through some tests and all, um, they determined she has metastatic breast cancer, which moved to her stomach. So um, they want to run. We're, thank God we are at City of Hope. And so um, they want to run some secondary tests because they want to just make sure that it's not in other areas of her body. So I just, again, wanted to give you an update. She put up an update on Caring Bridge, if you're uh, familiar with that. It's just an informational uh, thing on what's happening. So if you just really, if you can get on that, and that way you could know kind of how she's updating and, and pray for her. I really, really appreciate that. She's, she's my one and only. And uh, I will say this is um, a tough season. But I know that um, you are standing with us. And we trust God and we praise him even though we don't understand or we don't like it. We, we praise him. Amen? Amen? I'm just so glad that Jesus picked us up out of the crowd. Aren't you glad for that? I want you to just think about for a moment, if you've given your life to Jesus, I want you to think, just go back. Think about your life before you met the Lord and where you met the Lord. He pulled you out. He called you to come follow him. It may have been in a bar. It may have been in a church service. It may have been down in uh, Angel Stadium or Dodger Stadium, or maybe someone took you to a church service, or it was someplace maybe in a hotel room, or maybe sitting across a table at, at a Starbucks and and, and, and somebody shared with you the message of Jesus and something hit your heart because you knew that all the things that you have done, everything in life, that Jesus loved you, he forgave you, he gave everything to you. He laid himself down on a cross so that you and I could be saved. 
And, and, and not only for us to be saved, because if, if God was done with his work, then he would have killed us right when we got saved. But he left us here, right? Because he wanted us to share that story of how we got saved, how we've been transformed, how God took us out of the muck and the mire, and he transformed us into somebody that now is following Jesus. Now, are we always like Jesus? Absolutely not. Are we always what we should be? Absolutely not. Are we always what we ought to be? No. But we are on a journey to hopefully today is a little bit better than yesterday. And through the Holy Spirit power in our life, God does a transformational work and he wants the world. He wants everybody. Jesus died for everyone. That's why I've entitled this, Bringing Them Back Alive. People in your life that are lost, people in my life that are lost, that will never come in to a place like this is what I want to talk about today. The title of the message today is Go Where the People Are. I'm just so glad that Jesus came for everybody. In Luke 5.32, Jesus says these words, I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. If there was ever one group that Jesus was very stern with, he was very, he was angry with, it was the religious leaders that were in places of power and they were ripping people off in the name of God. They were power hungry people and they would keep their thumb down on the people that were honestly trying to follow God. God told those people first, don't be thinking that because you wear these religious robes and don't be thinking because you know all the scriptures, don't be thinking because you've been raised this way that you're going to be saved in a place called heaven. You need to repent. In fact, God was so serious about this that he sent John the Baptist. He looked at the people in that day, the religious people who came out to see him. It says the whole countryside came out to hear John the Baptist. And he said, you brood of vipers, you need to repent. Turn from your wicked ways. Turn to Jesus. Turn to the one who's coming. I'm so glad that, that he did that. Story after story after story after story in the Bible of men and women that have been absolutely changed. And we are here as a result of people that were faithful to Jesus Christ. I want to take you back to just um, a narrative, a story in Acts chapter 17. There was another one, not John the Baptist, but there was another one named Saul. Do you remember him? In Acts chapter 17, he's on a missionary journey. He's on an outreach journey to reach as many people as possible and to set aside places for, for many churches to be born. He goes into a place called Athens. It's on Mars Hill. And he sees in a Greek culture, he sees that they have all these religious artifacts, idols. And he looks at them and he sees the people and here's what he says. Oh, I see that you worship many gods. But I notice one over here that is the unknown God. Can I tell you about the unknown God? And in Acts 17, if you read that chapter, there's a place where he just gives a full-on story about how from the beginning of time, God created the world. He created us. The unknown God is God Almighty, one true living God. His name is Jesus. He came from heaven to earth to die, to rise again, to give us new life. Now, the reason I like that so much is because we've got people in our life that are searching for this unknown God. But Paul noticed he was very sensitive. And I think if we're going to reach this world, we've got to be sensitive to where people are physically, don't we? We got to be sensitive to where they are emotionally. And then, of course, where are you spiritually? And how are we going to know that? 
to spend time with people to know where they're at. I, I, you know, there are very few, there are a few, but there are some that are ready to hear the gospel now. That if you shared the good news of Jesus Christ with them, they say, man, I'm in, I've been searching for God for a long time. Thank you for telling me where do I go. And you pray with them and they receive Jesus. But there's a higher percentage of people that are not quite ready yet. They might be searching and it might be a place in their heart that they're keeping that close to the vest, but they're not making that known. And so by you and I spending time with sinners... Because we were all sinners, we still are, but we're now saved by God's grace. As we spend time with people, we pick up on where they are. And we want to bring the good news. Ah, I see that you're worshiping fill in the blank. Can I tell you about something that has been life-changing for me? It's, it's not running into somebody's life and saying, you need to know Jesus. If you don't accept Jesus, then this will happen. That very few respond to that, to the message that way, right? I know I, I had a guy on my tennis team when I played tennis at Capo High School, and he was always telling me about Jesus. And I was like, dude, get away from me. Because he would, he would jam it down my throat. He would push and push and push. I, I, I probably need to look that guy up and, and repent of my sins. But In Mark chapter 5, there's three stories that I want to share with you. You ready for this? You ready for number one? In Mark chapter five, Jesus um, tells his disciples, his crowds of people are following him everywhere. And we're going to read um, this text, but I just want to give you some context and background before we focus on verses one to 20. Jesus says, guys, come on, let's get in the boat. And he gets in the boat and they are making their way across. When they make their way across, immediately there's someone... Uh, a synagogue leader who comes to Jesus because he heard that Jesus could do miracles. And he comes to Jesus and he begs him. He falls on his knees and he says, Jesus, this is his 911 desperation call. My daughter is dying, but I know if you come, you can heal her. I love Jesus because he hears every cry of our heart. And so Jesus says, guys, we got to go. We're going on his way, there's crowds and crowds. I think at this point, there's probably thousands of people because Jesus, remember, fed the 5,000, but there are really about, most commentators believe, about 20,000 people because they only counted men in the scriptures, but then there are women and children. So 20,000 people. At this point, there must have been thousands of people that were trying to see him, touch him, listen to him, to just be around this God-man. And what I, I love is Jesus on the way to see this little girl to heal her. There's a woman who sees Jesus coming. I want you to see this scene with me. There are crowds standing kind of in a, in a parade-like fashion. And Jesus and the disciples are walking through this this gauntlet of, of people that want a glimpse of Jesus or ask him for something. But there are so many people, it's, it's hard to get in. It's hard to get near where Jesus is. It would be like, you know, an opportunity. My wife and I had an opportunity to see President Bush at the prayer breakfast in Washington, D.C. There were crowds of people everywhere. Just to be in the same room with the President of the United States was truly an honor. I think some of that was amongst the people. The atmosphere was, if I could just see him, if I could touch him. And there was a woman there 
I want you to just climb into this text with me. She was sick for 12 years with the same ailment. She had gone to every doctor. She had gone to every urgent care. She went to every ER. She went every possible place that she could. She even went to some of the witch doctors thinking there was some incantation that could help this this woman. Nothing, nothing. She got worse. She sees Jesus coming down the dusty slopes and, and crowds of people everywhere. And every once in a while, she would, because of her stature, she became bent over for so long being sick, she could kind of see Jesus getting closer and closer. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're, when you're in the presence of God, you feel a sense of being unworthy. I don't belong here. Do you remember when Jesus um, told Peter, the fisherman, he says, let's go out and throw the net on the other side. And Peter says, Lord, we've been out here all night. We caught nothing. I know there's nothing out there. Just trust me, Peter. Peter goes out and obeys the Lord. In the boat with Jesus, there's so many fish. When that miracle happens, Peter falls to his feet, falls to his knees, and said, I am a man so unworthy. It's that moment that I just, I want you to see with this woman. She wants to be healed so much. She wants Jesus to touch her to fix this thing because she can't live a normal life. She can't even go into the synagogue because she's unworthy because of the ailment. She hasn't worshiped for 12 years as a Jewish woman. This is, this is traumatic for her. And she sees him coming down the way. And as he's just, just about ready to pass by, she, she, she knows that if I could just touch him with faith, I know he could heal me. In, in those days, the rabbis would wear a long train of a robe, a very, very specific one. Jesus was identified as one. And then something happens. She steps back into the crowd because I'm just not worthy enough. Ever feel like that? with God, all the stuff in the past, or, oh, let's get real, last night, I'm so glad that you're here, because Jesus is in the business of resurrecting dead stuff, and as she steps into the crowd, she kind of gets lost, this is all, I believe, just in a, in a moment of seconds, Jesus passes by, have you ever been in a situation where you, you had a moment where you could seize the moment, you could seize the day, and you didn't do it, and you missed it. Oh, man, if I just would have made that decision, if I just would have stepped in, I think, I think, I think she felt that way because she touched the hem of his garment. He had already, in my opinion, passed by. She realized she missed the moment, but then she pushes her way forward and she grabs on and she clutches it. I, I, I think the reason, I, I believe she clutched it and held onto it for just a second is because Jesus says the power went out for me. Who touched me? Now, Peter, man. <laughs> Petuous Peter. He's always talking when he's not supposed to be talking. Oh, come on, Lord. 
There's crowds, there's thousands of people everywhere and you wanna know who touched you? We've been banging into people and bumping into people and rubbing shoulders of people and we've been pulling people off of you, Lord, and you wanna know who touched you? Power went out from me. I, I just, there's a couple of things here before we get into the main text that I just want us to see. As she is, the Bible says, immediately healed. Immediately. The power of God is completely, 100% in Jesus. And we have, Jesus says, I see your faith. Not faith in herself, faith in who he is. Now in that moment, there was, there was such a pristine moment because Jesus wanted everybody to know that he was the Messiah. And we pray for Israel I love the Jewish nation. I love Jewish people because they came from the same bloodline as Jesus, right? In fact, whenever I meet a Jewish person, I always say, can I touch you? I said, what are you doing? I said, you came from the same bloodline as Jesus. It opens up an opportunity to share Jesus with someone who is born into that lineage, but yet still needs to receive him as Lord. That was this woman, And as she is now healed, life is transformed. Life is now changed for her. She is different. Can you imagine how she felt in that moment after she is healed? I'm free. I've been healed. My whole life has changed. She was telling, I have 100%. I believe she went and told everybody about what happened. If somebody came up to her and says, what happened today? Well, not much. I went and saw Jesus and touched his cloak. What? I touched his cloak and I've been healed. For 12 years, I am freed of this thing. Have you ever been sick for a long time or have a backache or headache or something that just wouldn't go away? And you've asked and asked and asked God, God, could you please heal me? I'm crying out to you, God. I just want you to know that he hears you. You have, we have to trust him. I've been praying already for my wife. I said, God, I pray the second time when they go in for these tests, they'll go in and see nothing. No cancer. It's all gone. I'm asking the Lord that. And I trust that if for some reason he takes us down a different road, I have to trust him. And can I say, if I don't like it, I still want to trust him. And I'll still praise him with my tears because why he is worthy to be praised. On the way to heal this little girl, remember that? She dies. I think, Jesus, what are you doing? How could you let her die? This is a child. This is, this is one of your little ones. This is what I love about Jesus. Jesus is into resurrections. He knows if he waits, the bigger story will get out that he raised a little girl from the dead and that's exactly what he did. People were crying and wailing as he walked up the stairs. There's only room enough for a few, Jesus says, Peter, James, and John, I need you guys to come with me. As he walks up into the stairs, into the room, the little girl has now passed. He says, don't worry, she's just fallen asleep. Now here's what the crowd does. They laugh at Jesus. Can you imagine? They're laughing at him. Jesus stays focused. Jesus is on mission. He goes over to the little girl and he raises her from the dead. Amazing miracle. Amazing. Can you imagine the father? Can you imagine the mother? Can you imagine the family members, those that are around? Oh my God, you're not going to believe this, but my little girl, she's been, she was dead. She was confirmed dead. And this Jesus guy came in 
and he healed my daughter. He raised her from the dead. I'm following him. I'm with him now, and nobody could ever change my mind. I guess what I I wanted to say out of all this before we read this text now is that I know I'm supposed to follow Jesus. Maybe today you've been raised in the church. I'm supposed to follow God because that was I was raised and my preacher said so and we went to church every Sunday. Or maybe you're here today and church experience has not been a part of your early life. And you're here today maybe because, you know, I know it's the right thing to do. I need to get back to where God wants me to be. But I just want to ask this question. Have you had an encounter with Jesus that nothing would ever change your mind? I'm with him. Because he changed my life. He touched my heart. I remember what I used to be. I remember what I used to say. I remember what I used to do. The old man is gone. Jesus came in and resurrected my dead life. And now I want to follow him. I I hope that you've had an experience. And if you have not had a personal experience with Jesus Christ, my prayer is today's your day. Today's the day. Why wait? None of us are guaranteed of tomorrow. None of us are guaranteed at the very next hour. Now, ready to go to Mark 5? Let's go to that text together. Because previous to these healings, Jesus encounters this madman. And I want to pick this apart because we got a lot of spiritually insane people in our life, don't we? We got people who are not in their right mind spiritually. I wasn't in my right mind before I was saved. I was a nut job. I was following what I wanted to follow. Yeah, let's just do this. Let's do that. That's the way my life was. Jesus picks this guy out when nobody would go to this guy. Verse number one. So they arrived. Jesus and the disciples. Remember in the boat with the Lord. At the other side of the lake in the region of the Gerasenes. Gerasenes was ten cities. They were kind of like a a small uh, villages, if you will. And they were gathered in this one section. And so when Jesus climbed out of the boat, a man possessed by an evil spirit came out from the tombs to meet him. This man lived in the burial caves and could no longer be restrained even with a chain. Whenever he was put into chains and shackles, as often he was, He snapped the chains from his wrist and smashed the shackles. No one was strong enough to subdue him. Day and night. Day and night, this guy's in the cemetery. He's in the graveyard. He's in a place of death. Wandered among the burial caves in the hills, howling. And now it's gotten so bad that he is now cutting himself with stones because of The demonic forces are telling him, you are not worthy. You are worth nothing. It's not even worth living now. And he's trying to get some relief from this horrible, horrible evil spirit. Spirits. When Jesus was still some distance away, the man saw him, ran to meet him, ran to meet him, and bowed low before him. With a shriek, he screamed, Why are you interfering with me, Jesus, son of the most high God? In the name of God, I beg you, don't torture me. Now, let's just just pick this apart a little bit. Day and night, did we read that? He was howling, cutting himself with stones. No one could subdue him. He'd break the chains, break everything off. In the cemetery, in a place of death, I can't think of anything more depressing, more evil, more scary than being in a cemetery at night, especially when there's demonic forces. 
How did Jesus know? Of course, Jesus is God, but Jesus also is human. He was God in flesh. Amen? And so, perhaps because Jesus made it a habit of praying early in the morning. In fact, it says in Mark, before it was light, while it was still dark, Jesus got up early, went off to a solitary place and prayed. Could it be that Jesus went to a solitary place as the disciples were still sleeping? Early, early in the morning, three, four in the morning, Jesus goes up on a mountain to pray and he hears the cry of this man. He hears your cry. He hears mine. He knows. It's his time table, not ours. And we trust him. For Jesus had already said to the spirit, come out, come out of the man, you evil spirit. Then Jesus demanded, what is your name? And he replied, my name is Legion because we are many of us inside this man. Now a legion is 6,000 soldiers. We don't know if there's exactly could have been. What would explain, no one was able to subdue him. He was breaking the chains. He was uncontrollable. There was no hope for this man. He is literally trying to commit suicide through these demonic forces. Then the evil spirits begged him again and again to send them to some distant place. I just want us to see here that the demonic forces, the enemy, is subject to Jesus always. He runs to Jesus, why? And falls to his knees because they are created angels. But unfortunately, one third of them through Satan left the Lord and now is part of the demonic forces that are trying to work against God. He's trying to work against you. He's trying to work against your marriage, your children, your life, this church. If he could do anything he can to split us, divide us, bring havoc on our life, anything he possibly can do to get us away from God, that is his MO. But Jesus Christ is always powerful always more powerful than the enemy. And that's why he is subject now. And he says, they begged, now legion, all these demonic forces inside of this man are begging Jesus, could you please don't torture us? We know that we are one day going to be in the lake of fire. That's why God created hell. It's all in Matthew chapter 25. He never created hell for any person to go there. That was not God's heart, his desire. He created hell for the devil and his angels. Which by the way, Lest I think that I'm so spiritually strong, that I'm so spiritually in tune with God, that I would never be deceived by the devil. If he could deceive the angels who were in the presence of God to leave God, let me not so be overconfident that I can overcome anything. God, I need you. It's like hanging onto the end of a rope on a knot saying, God, you're my only hope. You're my only hope. Jesus, you're my only hope. Not confidence in self, but confidence in God. And what he can do. So there happened to be a large herd of pigs feeding on the hillside nearby. Send us, please. Send us into those pigs. The spirits begged. See, they begged. I don't think, you know, if you could send us into the pigs. Please send us into the pigs because we know that you are the Messiah. We know that you are the son of God. We know that you are God almighty and we are subject to you. They know that. Let us enter them. So Jesus gave them permission. And the evil spirits came out of the man. I just, and as soon as those evil spirits came out of this guy, 
man entered the pigs, and, they entered the pigs, and the entire herd, about 2,000 of them, plunged down the steep hillside into the lake and drowned in the water. Oh my gosh. The herdsmen fled to the nearby town and surrounded. Should we continue? Because I'm really into this. If I'm the only one, I'm <laughs> surrounded the countryside, spreading the news as they ran. They rushed out to see what happened. In my other, could you go back to verse 14? Because in my other version, in the NIV, it says the entire city, the city, the city, the city, the city came out to Jesus, see Jesus. The city came out to see Jesus. The city came out to see Jesus. The city came out to see Jesus. We are praying for the city to come and see Jesus. How will they come and see Jesus? If we go to where they are, they will come and see Jesus. Spreading the news as they ran, people rushed out to see what had happened. Verse 15, a crowd soon gathered around Jesus, hundreds, thousands, we don't know, and they saw the man who had been possessed by a legion of demons. He was, watch this, he was sitting there fully clothed, perfectly sane. And they were all afraid. My other ones that I read several Bible verses when I'm doing the study for the text for you this, each week. It says, when he was fully clothed and in his right mind. I have several people close in my sphere of family that are suffering from mental illness. And it is tragic for me to see the decisions that some of them continue to make day after day. It's, it's, it's not literally they're cutting themselves, but it's almost like spiritually they're cutting themselves by the decisions they're making. And I, if you just would, would come to Jesus, if you just would let Jesus help you, if you would let God help you, it's in my spirit. But I'll be honest, sometimes, because mental illness sometimes is so intimidating, I don't know what to say. I don't know how to approach it. So I understand I live in the same world. There are moments that either I feel intimidated, I don't feel equipped, I don't know what to say at the right time. But God always is willing to work through all that, isn't he? Grace came to this man in his right mind. I can't get that out of my mind. He was in his right mind. Jesus is the only one that can make us whole again. Spiritually, emotionally, physically, psychologically, he can put click, 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 everything back into calibration. He can put everything back into balance. Jesus can do that. Why? Why do we believe that? Because he did it then, he can do it now. The Bible says, at least the one I read says, he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You and I are so valuable to God. Think about this for a second. Oh, I forgot to mention that Jesus and the disciples, when they went across the lake, they were caught in a storm. Jesus goes into a storm to get to this man. Doesn't he do that for us? Didn't Jesus cross over from heaven to earth so that we could be saved? And now, because we have said yes to Jesus, he tells us to go. I don't go and share the good news with people because I have to. I don't go because it's the right thing to do. I go because I want to. If Jesus has touched your life, he's transformed you from the inside out, nothing will hold you down. You, you, you want to share the good news. Every one of us have people in our life that are in dead places. They're hanging around spiritual cemeteries. 
They're in spiritual graveyards. They may be walking around, everything looks nice. They got nice clothes on. They drive a nice car. They have a nice smile on their face. But on the inside, man, they are dying on the inside, cutting themselves. I'm not worthy. I just don't want to be here anymore. I don't want to have to endure this on the inside. And everybody says they're fine. How are you doing? I'm fine. I'm fine. You're fine. I'm fine. It's like we're playing spiritual volleyball. Everybody's fine. But on the inside, we're not fine. This is, this is where God is calling us to go into those dark places. Jesus often was into places that nobody else would go. He was accused of being with tax collectors and sinners. Jesus, yes, sometimes went into the synagogues. He went into the religious places. But most of Jesus' time was spent with ill repute people. People like me. People like us. Right? And that's where we need to be. This man was possessed, oppressed, and depressed. And Jesus went with him to change him. When my wife, lived, my wife and I lived in Hawaii, um, we'd, uh, when we first moved there, we were there for about six years, um, we'd every once in a while go down to Waikiki and we'd just kind of walk around. It's just a fun place, lots of tourists, just a lot going on. And so we'd come home after, uh, after maybe about two or three weeks, you know, Friday nights walking down there, and we'd come home to our little one-bedroom apartment. Those were the good old days. And she just start crying. And I said, what's, what's wrong? She says, all these women that I see in the sex industry, the sex trade, the prostitutes that are here, my heart is breaking for them and I don't know what to do. So well, I don't know either. So she starts praying in her prayer time. When my wife prays, she sets out like two or three Bibles. She's got her journal. She's got these other books and stuff and she'll pray for like an hour. You know, I have, to, I, I have to really work to pray for an hour straight because I'm just kind of ADD. She's so much more centered than I am. And in her prayer journal, she just starts praying for the women that are caught in this horrible, horrible lifestyle. So an opportunity came up for her to volunteer with an organization that offers health, um, health help for the prostitutes there in Waikiki. So she signed up to help. Isn't it cool how God can open a door when we ask? So she would then, at night, on Friday nights, she would walk down Waikiki, and there was a police officer that was assigned to her on the other side of the street. And she didn't know this, but I was also walking on the other side of the street, just watching. But she would start stopping and talking to the women. I will say probably, maybe, out of maybe 100, maybe 8 or 9 would stop and talk to her. Here's out of the conversation what happened. She would just get to know them. She would try to befriend them, not tell them anything. And out of conversations, she would admit to them, I just got married like two and a half years ago, and I'm not a very good cook. And so um, my wife's challenged in that way, let's just say. I love her to death. I'll eat whatever she does, but she'll be the first one to admit that's not like her first thing. We're supposed to be real, right? I can use her as the story. So she says, oh, I can teach you how to cook. Some of these women who are stuck in this horrible nightmare in this cemetery teaching my wife how to cook. She, then she meets them the next night and they give her a list of like recipes. And this is how you make it and saute the potatoes and whatever that means. I don't know, whatever. And, and she, they're giving her recipes and she's now built a relationship because 
She said, I need help. I, I, I just want to highlight this, that oftentimes I know you want to share the message and I know it's just in your heart. I know you want to get it out, but often it's through building relationships in a soft cell way that help build some trust. So when God opens the door, the message can be shared. All of us have people in our life, don't we? Share your story, don't preach. I just thought I'd put up here a few things before we close that have been helpful for me in my life. And I'm still working at this. I don't have this wired. Share your story. There's no reason to think you have to preach at people. Just tell them what happened to you. How did God meet you? Tell the story. And the second is to live the message of the gospel. Amen? Amen. When we live it, God gives us a platform to share it. And ask them to share their spiritual journey. Ask them. So did, tell me, did you grow up in a church? Or what do you believe about God? What do you think about the Bible? What do you think about what's happening around the world? What, asking questions will reveal where people are. Are they intellectual? Are they a feeler type person? If they're highly intellectual, you can recommend books like um, uh, The Case for Christ, The Case for Faith. Those are wonderful. Written by a guy who's highly, highly intelligent. And, and really approaches the gospel for people to be able to understand it from here. Of course, God touches the heart, but some people need to go through the mind and the psyche first. Does that make sense? If some people are feeler, then man, Jesus loves you. He died for you. God wants a relationship with you. And if they, they feel that right away, then you can say, would you like to know how to accept Jesus? And you grab their hands and you say, let's accept Jesus now. Did they have trauma that they need healing from? I want to be sensitive to where people are. Just as Paul, remember in Acts 17, was very sensitive. Use common language. Don't use big religious words. They say, hey man, I've accepted Jesus in my life. And there's no reason to use all those flowery words. People are often put off by that. And this is the last one, looking for common interests. I'm always watching as I meet somebody new. There's something we have in common together. And as that common ground is stood on together, God might provide an opportunity to invite. Hey, I'd love for you to come visit our church. I promise nobody will bite you. Nothing's going to happen. Just come. You will really like our church. It's great, great people. Great worship. Preaching's eh, but just come and you will love MVCC, right? Oh, I forgot to mention Man of the Tombs. The reason I tell that story and we read that story because I was the Man of the Tombs. I remember my life. And it says at the end of the account that Jesus was pushing offshore. And as he was with the disciples, the man reaches out for Jesus' hand and says, I want to go with you. And Jesus says, no. No. I, I, I want to follow you. I'll give you everything. I'll surrender my life to you. No. I want you to go back and tell your family Tell your village everything that has happened to you. Can you see the man reaching out? And as Jesus drifts away with his disciples, he cries something out like, it is a great thing, isn't it? So Father, we are here today for one reason, that's to worship you. And Lord, we just conclude this part of the service to say, Lord, as we have been instructed by such a 
a crazy story in the Bible, this account that almost seems like out of our realm, but we trust and know that it's true. Help us, God, to step into the text in everyday life. I pray, God, whether we're at school, neighborhood, we're with friends, at work, that, God, you would reveal to us through word knowledge or wisdom or in a supernatural way, this person's in the graveyard. They need me. Go. This is our prayer, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Each week, you know, we offer a time of just kind of being still and quiet to remember Jesus. In Acts chapter 20, verse 7, it says, The first day of the week, they took the Lord's Supper together. That means every time they meet at the beginning of the week, Sunday, they would gather to have a meal. And I think their communion time was something like, and isn't, isn't Jesus wonderful? Aren't we so glad that he loves us? Aren't we so glad that he went to the cross? I found something on the internet, and it's just a quick 90-second um, audible. Um, I'll, I'll let the story kind of unfold, but I, the reason I wanted to share this because it relates so much to the cross. The little boy, 13 years old, grew up on a farm in Nebraska, and he had this experience, and he had to share it on the radio. And he called the radio, and here's, here's the story. At the conclusion of it, um, we're just going to offer communion to everybody. In the seat back in front of you, there's a small emblem there. And we just invite you, if you're a follower of Christ, and if you're in the front row, someone will come and serve you. But we just invite you to take um, a moment to remember the cross. Can I talk to you? You bet, Logan. What's up? I want to tell you something that God just told me. Okay. Last night, my dad was roping this calf. And this calf had been born from a really old cow. She she didn't have really the greatest milk. She didn't have, like, the vitamin C and stuff. Okay. Hold on. Mom? So cute, I guess, his mom just talked to but sorry about that but anyway she broke her back and this morning I went out and put her down myself I was talking to God I was asking God why she was special and God said you know Logan but my son was special but he died for a purpose it's kind of the same thing. That calf was close to me, and God's son was close to him. Logan, you're you're so right. It's true. Think you're gonna be okay? Yeah, I'll be fine. But I just wanted to tell you guys that that is so important. Just remember. When you lose a loved one or a pet, always remember that God gave his son too, and he understands. He will always understand. He will always just run to him. Logan, you're wiser than you know, buddy. Oh, sometimes I don't think I'm wise. Trust me, I've done a lot of stupid stuff. 
<laughs> but I've learned from it. Yeah, but see, buddy, that's what makes you wise, somebody that learns from their mistakes. Oh, I just figured I'd better call and share with you guys. Love you. Love you too. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for joining us at Mission Vale Christian Church. Just know that we always have live services here every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. We'd love to have you here, and we'll see you next time.